0: If you grew up in church, you probably memorized the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. In many services, the entire congregation recites it out loud as part of the worship. While this is a great implementation, did Jesus mean for us simply to quote it? It's time to go the second mile with the Lord's Prayer. Hey, this is Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541, where he said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him the second mile. Plenty of people follow Jesus just enough on the first mile, but Jesus isn't someone you want to follow from a distance. You don't want to do discipleship halfway. That's why going the second mile is so important. And so on this 41st episode of the Second Mile podcast, I want to talk to you about this topic more than just quoting the Lord's Prayer. As we mentioned in the introduction there, that uh, if you've been a part of church, if you've ever really grown up, That's really some of the first verses that you memorize. In fact, you may have been in a service before where someone finishes up the prayer or getting close to the conclusion of their prayer, and they'll say something like, and as you taught us to pray, our Father. And then everybody jumps in and says, hallowed be thy name, and going from that spot, right? And everybody recites it, and it is a beautiful part of worship. Is it a good thing to add in worship? I think it's a great thing to add in worship. But I think, honestly, uh, we miss a little bit of the meaning of what Jesus did if we simply just quote the Lord's Prayer. If you put it to memory, which I think is a great place to memorize, great portion of scripture to memorize uh, and a great even portion to use in worship service. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful addition in any type of prayer life or worship service. But I do think that that's not exactly what Jesus's intention was originally. I think Jesus, what he was doing was giving us a template to pray by rather than a text that we should just copy. Um, and so if we think about the difference here, right, between first miles and second mile, I mean, I, honestly, first milers will recite the Lord's Prayer. It's a good thing to memorize. It's a good, Thing to recite it. it is a good thing to have those words in your in your mind because I do think it's something beautiful for an individual or for a congregation. But if first milers recite the Lord's prayer, I believe that second milers reflect the Lord's prayer. And so what I mean is is that the whole concept was that Jesus really looked at these individuals. Who were uh, trying to figure out how to pray. And maybe you feel like it, right? His disciples came up to him one day. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they said something very unique to Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray like John the Baptist, he he taught his disciples how to pray. So, So they knew that John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, had taught his disciples to pray, and those disciples prayed like John the Baptist. And so they were saying, look, we want to pray like you pray, because really it's the only time that you see in Scripture where the disciples ask Jesus, show us how to do anything. Now, Jesus was teaching them all the time. But this is one time where they came up out of their own initiative and said, hey, We need to know how you pray because when you pray, stuff happens, man. I mean, things are you're 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 speaking to God and God's hearing you and He's answering these requests. And so, we want you to teach us how to pray. And so, what did Jesus do? He goes, "Okay, well, pray then like this." Um, he didn't say, pray this, or pray exactly this, or quote this, and all of a sudden you're going to have some kind of supernatural, uh, magical powers when you when you say this. He said, okay, here's a template for you. Pray then like this. Have your prayers kind of orchestrated in this manner. He didn't say, pray this. He said, pray then like this. And so I think that what happens is, is that maybe when Jesus showed his disciples how to pray that day, he was saying, hey, if you're going to pray, Here's some key things to think about, um, and I want you to use my example uh, as a guide to to where to start, where to finish, uh, what are some things to include, what are some things to make sure that you don't neglect, and also the posture Um, but also I believe kind of the understanding that this prayer is not just about you and your needs. And so there are specific things that Jesus does masterfully in this Lord's Prayer that if you really unpack it, uh, it really gives us more of a guide to pray rather than exactly giving us a script to pray. Um, And and so I think what I want to do is really just walk through the Lord's Prayer and show you here's some ways that if you would unpack it, it's going to teach you uh, not necessarily what to say uh, or what to pray, but how to pray when you do talk to God. All right, so if we are wanting to be on that second mile and do more than just quote the Lord's Prayer, uh, let's let's look at it together when he said, okay, pray then like this, and I'm going to read this portion from Matthew chapter 6, and it starts in verse 9 goes all the way down to verse 13. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so when you you look through this, there's there's a few things I want to point out first and foremost that I think are probably important for our own spiritual growth um, and just understanding um, and the first thing is this, there are no singular first-person pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. And you're like, look, Trav, this is a podcast about spiritual growth. Now you're making me do vocab and grammar and like, what, what in the world? Um, but but what I mean by that is there's no singular first-person pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. Let me, let me show you what it would sound like if there were singular first-person pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. Give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my debts as I have also forgiven my debtors, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. So you see what that would sound like? Singular first person, it's about one individual, one person praying. Uh, But instead, Jesus, as an individual praying, he does not say, um, lead me from temptation, give me my needs, take care of my issues. He says, take care of our issues, watch over us. And what it's really showing is, is that when you pray, it shouldn't be just about you and your needs. In fact, as a part of the body of Christ, all of your prayers should be thinking, okay, God, not how does this affect me, how does this affect us? Because really as the body of Christ, as the church, we have to get down to the place where it's not just about us. It's not just all the things that we want or we need uh, individually, As um, but it's, it's cor- corporately. So when I pray for something, I may be praying to alleviate some circumstance in my life, but I'm also praying in such a way that I'm thinking of others, how my life impacts other people, whether it's my church family or my physical family or, or whatever it is. So with that, you got to see what Jesus does so brilliantly here is that he prays not just my stuff. And, and let's be honest, how many times... Um, In your prayers and in my prayers, does it sound more like the I, Me, My show, right? That it's just like everything is just about myself rather than, God, how does this affect your church, us, uh, collectively, together? And and so the first, when you you look at it, it, no singular first-person pronouns in the Lord's Prayer teaches us so much. But if you also look at the structure of the Lord's Prayer, you notice a few things. Um, You you see here that um, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is about the Lord— and the second half is about the Lord's people, right? So when, when you think through this, and, and this is an important thing, the first half of the Lord's prayer is about the Lord. The second half is about the Lord's people. So the first dedication in, in the prayer is all about, hey, I want to talk to you, God, and about your work and your will and and those things that, that really see so much about who you are. But what's absolutely beautiful about this is that he is saying uh, the second half is about the Lord's people and not just individual. If we look at most of our prayers, if we're going to be honest, it's about me and, uh, and, and about my situation. But at first, he doesn't start with his needs. He starts with the glory of God. And, um, and so even when he says this, when he goes, pray then like this, what does he start out with? He says, our Father. Our Father in heaven, our Abba, our Daddy. And I know some people may feel uncomfortable with that language, and, and that, that's okay. That was intended. so, Because a lot of times when we pray, we want to pray these magnificent prayers that really impress people. Oh, Lord, God, omnipotent, in heaven and earth, and majestic in power. We we say these types of things to really make people just marvel at our vocab, and, uh, and just to see how impressively theological we can sound. But when the most um, incredible theologian who's ever walked the earth, Jesus, starts praying, what does he pray? Daddy, our dad. but it's not just this sense of like that you're going to him with ease. Um, There's still this respect. He says, our Father in heaven. So when you pray to God, you're realizing this. I'm praying to my dad, but my dad's address is heaven. This is not just some, you know, father that has limited resources and abilities and power. Now this, my dad lives in heaven. And so when I pray I'm going to pray acknowledging the fact that he is near, he is close, uh, but also the fact that he He lives in heaven. What can't he do? What is it that I, in my mind that I think somehow that he could not accomplish? And so it helps me understand that when I pray, I have a big grandiose picture of this is my dad and my dad in heaven. And the same way that I would do anything for my kids under my disposal that would be good for them, um, then you know what? I, I believe that in prayer. That's how we're to approach God as well. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He doesn't say hallowed or holy be my name as Jesus is praying and teaching us. And once again, so many times can we say, uh, I want to in some way say that, that prayer is about my name but no, instead what we want to do is we say prayer is about your name, God. It's it's about hallowed be, holy be your name. This is what it's about. And so even in your prayer, even in the things that you're praying through, asking God to do, you're saying, God, I want your name to be lifted up. And then uh, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a lot of times we uh, uh, you know, think about God's geographical kingdom, but he commanded us really to pray for this borderless kingdom, and we should pray for the type of obedience on earth that is manifest in heaven. So you're saying, God, um, your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, like, when, when God wants something in heaven, what are the angels like? They're literally like in a stampede to see who can get there first. I want to do his will. I want to do this. I, give me the opportunity. God. And so my prayers is, it guides me into saying, God, I want today your will to be done on earth in our lives, just as eager as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. Listen, God tells us to pray for today's bread. Yet honestly, so often I'm too busy praying for tomorrow's butter. I'm praying for tomorrow's jelly, right? I'm praying for all the little details. He says, no, no, no. Pray that the your the the plural our needs are met, not our wants, but our needs are met. And you're praying, if God doesn't feed me, I'm not gonna eat. Like I, I need you, I depend on you for every bit of um, everything that I, I even need. Then He says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And so I mean, this is a honest thing. This is sort of talking about relational stuff. You're you're thanking God, you're asking God for forgiveness and reminding of this, but also you're you're praying like God, uh, is this is really the way we want to pray that God would forgive me in the same manner that I have forgiven others. I mean that, that's a humbling a spot to start, right? Um in fact, but he's saying, no, 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 in your prayers, you're saying, thank God for his forgiveness, but you're also going, where do I need to show forgiveness? Show me God and and where that I am. And he says, "And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." And in prayer, you're acknowledging that God is sovereign, uh, but you're also uh, acknowledging that we're weak, and temptation is destructive, and my sin affects us, not just me. So I'm saying, God, lead me away from that stuff, right? Because I, I don't want to be uh, in that place. And so, so the way that you can do more than just quote the Lord's prayer it's real simple, is use, use the this as a template. And so you start saying, and you might go like this, all right, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And you, and then you stop. Okay, God, you are my dad, and uh, yet you live in heaven. And so I, I just want to marvel in you. I want to worship you. I want to adore you today. You are wonderful and magnificent. And thank you that I get to call you my dad. And you are here, sir. And you're listening to me. And I just love you. And I thank you. And today, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I don't want to get caught up in my agenda today. I want to about yours. And you know, I got the situation that's coming up in a little bit. I want your will to be done. My will would be, I'd be out of this situation or this wouldn't happen. But if that's different than your will, I want your will, God. So please, 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 let your will be done. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, God. There, are needs that I have, my family has, and our church family has. Can I, can I list those to you and say, will you meet those needs? So here are the specific ones I'm thinking about on my heart today. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, thank you for the forgiveness that I know that I have at the cross, but also I, I step outside that relational um, walk with you, and, and I want to ask you forgiveness for my selfishness yesterday, or my greed yesterday, the the, the thoughts of bitterness that are going on in my head. Please, me. Uh, Forgive me for those, but also, God, I'm so angry at such and such, and when you help me forgive them? Show me what I need to do, um, and, and lead us not to temptation. God, I've been struggling in this area, and I feel like I keep getting stuck. Would you help me? Deliver me from evil. Keep me from the evil one. Keep me safe. And when you start doing that, right, this is a template, but instead of just quoting the Lord's Prayer, you can actually use it as a guide, a template to pray. And I think that's what really Jesus was after. Listen, if you can quote it and quote it with the best of them, praise be to God. That's awesome. Do it as much as you can. But I would encourage, instead of just quoting it, instead of just reciting it, quote a little bit of it, stop, and then unpack it in your own prayer life. You have a Father in heaven who loves listening to his kids, and he sent a son who taught us how to pray to our Father, learn from him. I hope to see you on the second mile.